0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the fan side of network. This is your host, Alex Pitt, alongside Adam McGuinness. We're going to finally talk about the Cubs draft. As promised, we're going to get into the guys the Cubs drafted, talk a little bit about how it affects the farm system, and hopefully looking at some exciting new prospects going forward. So we're just going to dive right into it. Adam, how you doing?
1: Fantastic.
0: Good to hear. Good to hear. Well, quickly before we dive into Cubs draft, let's just let's just take a moment here to recap the last week in baseball. We were told that the uh, the commissioner told us that he was one hundred percent certain that there was going to be a season. Then he said he wasn't so sure, and then today we had John Heyman report that they were close to a deal, and then everyone said no, we're not, and then we have another proposal. And now we are waiting to hear more news. I got to say, this has been one of the wildest weeks in baseball without baseball actually happening.
1: Yeah, and it almost... When I saw the news, I don't know who it was, if it was Heyman or somebody else that, that broke, that they were uh, in agreement on something, they had a deal. It almost just seems too good to be true. I mean, with with all the back and forth that we've heard, and it, it just... It surprises me that that we've gone from zero to sixty in just a couple days because like like you mentioned it I mean it wasn't more than just a couple days ago that we heard that the MLB Players Association was was ready to file a grievance against the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now today all of a sudden we hear that that they've got some sort of deal in place, but maybe they don't uh, it's it, It's been such a roller coaster. And I hope that they can finally get this thing figured out because you know, the the one thing that 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 keeps frustrating me through all this is that you know every day that they that they keep negotiating is that's less games you can play every day you go the the shorter the season has to be.
0: Yeah, I think if they need to get this figured out, they need to get it figured out like as soon as possible because yeah. I know they want to start targeting within a few weeks to have spring training 2.0. So if right. you're going to do that. It's you know it's got to get done fairly quickly. So yeah,
1: that's that's the thing. That's the thing about this is you know it, it, as soon as they finally come to agreements on something, the season then does not start. They they got to have a few weeks of spring training yet.
0: Yeah, and I feel like those weeks of spring training is going to be basically inner squad. I would assume. I mean, yeah. I don't. I didn't really read into how much, if there is any details, but. I almost figure it's going to be, okay, you got your big leaguers and you got your minor leaguers and you're going to kind of split them off and you're going to have simulated games and whatnot because it might not be the same, but at least you're having pitchers face live batters in that scenario.
1: Yeah, it sounds like if they do have spring training here soon, that teams are pretty much going to be just staying put where they're at to finish that off.
0: Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, it wouldn't really make much sense to travel back and forth, especially now. Right. So we're going to see what happens there. Like I said, it's been a pretty weird ride, especially the past week. But we're here to talk mainly about the Cubs draft. And Adam, I don't know about you, but I feel like this year's Cub draft was pretty one of those drafts where it was the more positive response from the fans. People really liked what yeah. the Cubs did. It was just an overall positive two days of drafting because remember the draft was a little different this year. So you had your five rounds and uh, people seem pretty satisfied overall. Yeah. I think that the Cubs
1: took the, the approach that most people like, which is to just take the best available uh, and I think that's why they went with Ed Howard in the first round, because I think for some people, maybe you look and you see that they drafted a shortstop and you say, "Well, we've already got Javi Baez, arguably uh, one of the best, if not the best, in the league. What are we taking a shortstop for? But you know there's there's all sorts of reasons why you would do that. you could you could use him as as trade bait. Uh, and you just you never know. You know, years down the line, God forbid something happened to Javi. Uh, I guess, you know, you could move Ed Howard around, too, if you want. There's a lot of things that could happen, but I think, generally speaking, in the first round, you take the best available. As for the rest of their draft, I like that they got some pitchers. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, as we've mentioned so many times on this show, one of the biggest shortcomings of this Cubs organization is the lack of development of pitchers within so loading up on pitchers, I think, was really good. That's one glaring weak spot that I think they're attempting to finally uh, start to round up a little bit here. So overall, I, I, I share the rest of the fans' sentiment that I'm pretty, pretty satisfied with how the draft went for
0: them. I agree. And, you know, you mentioned pitching, and we'll get into the details in just a bit about these pitchers, but it warms my heart and really makes me excited that they are loading up on power arms. It's just the way more power arms. It's the way
1: the league is trending right now. Uh
0: Uh-huh. If you wanna yeah,
1: if you wanna be one of the top teams in the league, you gotta have some emphasis on power arms. It's it's just the way that's that it's moving right now. Guys like Kyle Hendricks are just exceedingly rare in the league right now. It's it's really starting to kind of be all about the Cinder guard types.
0: And not just starters too. I think one of the biggest areas where you need power arms is the bullpen more than anywhere. Oh, absolutely. Remember last year, I felt like a lot of people on like Twitter talked about this. It seemed like when we watch the Cubs play an opponent, no matter, no matter how good or bad they were, it could be, you know, the Dodgers or it could be the Marlins, but every bullpen except for the Cubs Seem to have a nice collection of ninety-five-plus mile-an-hour pitchers.
1: Yeah, I, you you just gotta have those guys, especially if you're a team that's that's serious about uh, making a push in the postseason. I mean, there's 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 nothing more important in the postseason than a bullpen, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, if you have to pinpoint one area that's 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 vital in the postseason, I think. I think I would rank the bullpen first. I mean, I, obviously you got to have the offense to do it, uh, but if you're if you're making it that far, then I think it's a given that that your offense is good enough. But it, it, once you get into the postseason, I think that really starts to highlight which teams uh, are falling short in the bullpen department because it's it, that's really a, a game within the game once you get to the postseason.
0: It really is. I mean, you can just look at the Cubs and Indians. You had Roldis Chapman versus Andrew Miller. You look at the Royals the year before. Remember that bullpen? with oh, Wade yeah. Davis. Yeah,
1: yeah. The, I mean, the, the Royals World Series.
0: That's that bullpen was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Now the Giants, they had the luxury of having Madison Bumgarner. A little bit of an outlier there, yeah. But you know, remember Brian Wilson was good in their first run at it. Sergio yeah. Romo was pretty good after that too. You're the beard. And then remember the Brewers just a few years ago when they got within one mm-hmm. win of the World Series, yep. they needed Hader, Jeremy Jeffress, who's a Cub now, and their bullpen. I mean, remember, Craig Council managed his team around the bullpen. He would be like, all right, here, take the ball starter. Okay, you're the opener. Now the bullpen has to come the rest of the way.
1: Yeah. You just, you have to have a great bullpen. There's no, there's no way of getting around that really, unless you've got five all-star pitchers in your rotation. You just,
0: you, you have to have a top tier bullpen. If you're a serious team. Even remember last year when the Cubs played, when they were going through rough patches, especially with the bullpen, you had obviously Pedro Strope, I still think he was hurt. He's had all those hamstring issues. So that's why I think he's kind of gone downhill, but You know, Steve C. was good for a very, very long time, but you could kind of see the wear and tear last year. And he didn't have the Mm -hmm. stuff that was really blow you by. His was more deception and location. But when he wasn't really pumping 100 percent and trying to rely on contact, that didn't always work so well.
1: Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about the Cubs, lack of developing pitchers from within. I think the first thing we think of is the rotation. We think of, you know, their, their lack of starters that they produce. Uh, but that, you know, that applies to the bullpen maybe even more so because one thing we've seen over the last few years in the league uh, is that there's really a supply and demand issue with pitchers. Once you mm-hmm. get to the trade deadline, you know, the amount of, of good bullpen arms that you can acquire, it's pretty limited. There's yeah. not a lot of them to get and the ones that you can get cost you a lot uh, whether you know whether that be salary or you're giving up top tier talent for them it's not easy to get and so it being able to develop that yourself is more important now than it ever has been think
0: about the packages that the Yankees got for Miller and Chapman yeah yeah it's crazy they basically rebuilt their team I shouldn't say rebuilt, but retooled. They retooled much of their franchise with those two trades. glaber Torres being the big shiny object that's yeah probably the best get right for them right now.
1: Yeah, people should look no further than that deal right there. You got you got a player who looks like he could be a perennial all star for his career uh for one year of Araldus Chapman. I mean, that's that's what kind of a premium is, is on the are on these top tier bullpen guys. And you you just you can't afford to you can't swing it. It's just not realistic to be able to
0: make a deal like that uh, every year. You just can't do it. No, you can't. And that's why you hope that with drafting some of these guys and hopefully you have something in Rowan Wick and Brad Wick. If you have something with those two and something with these these young draftees then you might be able to build a bullpen from within. And we've seen them try to do that on multiple occasions. We've talked about the nasty stuff Dylan Maples has, but he's never been able to locate it. So it's never really come around fully. We've had a few other guys kind of come in, come out, uh, just kind of fizzled out or only got a small shot and never really came back. So hopefully these last few drafts could kind of change that course. Um, so let's just go right into the draft and let's talk about each individual guy. Sixteenth overall, we mentioned his name before, Ed Howard, and I feel like Ed Howard is a really big story for baseball and the Cubs. I mean, who doesn't love a good local kid story, right? I mean, that's always fun. Oh yeah, I think I think any any professional player that gets drafted
1: by a team in their home state. That's a big deal. That always, that makes a lot of headlines. Uh, and it, it, it does just kind of set you up for a feel good story. So I,
0: Ed Howard being a Chicago guy, that's, I think that's really cool. I'm into that too. It is cool. And you remember the reaction of their, fr- of his friends and family when they were all together, he gets drafted. Everyone goes crazy. You know, those are the stories that you remember a long time from now, especially if Ed Howard does become a star player and the thing is there was a lot of praise from the experts. Like it wasn't just the oh feel good story from the fans. No, the experts said this is yeah. a great pick. Yeah, and and who knows maybe someday he will be uh,
1: the starting shortstop for the Cubs. It's it's really it's not that far fetched uh, because he he's only 18 years old. I mean, he's still a kid. He's a teenager uh, whereas Javi Baez is 27 years old. So, you know, you think Four years down the line, uh, it's it's probably going to be at least that long before we see Ed Howard break into the big leagues, Javier yeah. be into his 30s. You know, it's, it's not that far-fetched that at some point he could be the shortstop for the Cubs.
0: Not at all, not at all. And, you know, he's so talented, you could probably plug him in in other spots, too, if need be. I mean, yeah. this kid is very athletic. He is such a smooth fielder, and he's got a great resume, too. First of all, he's coming from Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel has a great reputation when it comes to athletics. When you live here in Chicago, you know about Mount Carmel because of their reputation. It's, it's so good here. And, you know, he was a 2019 All-American Classic player. He was on Jackie Robinson West a few years ago. He was part of the White Sox Ace program. So he's got a lot of connections here in Chicago more than just being here. So a lot of people know how good he is. And, you know, I know that there were plenty of people in the White Sox organization who wanted the White Sox to get him. And they're kind of going, man, I wish we got him.
1: Ah, that's a shame. Poor White Sox. Don't you just feel bad for him?
0: Yeah. While they have Eloy and Cease, we can take Ed Howard. Yeah, that
1: still burns. And it's a good point you bring up that, that he could potentially uh move around a little bit to play on the team maybe earlier than expected. I mean we've we've already seen that with the Cubs over the last few years with with Baez and Russell both uh spending significant time at second base and shortstop so yep. so maybe they do move him temporarily to get him up earlier. That's that's certainly not out of the realm of possibility for the Cubs. They've never shied away from doing that before.
0: Exactly. And you know this isn't a guy who just fields He's gotten some pretty decent feedback on the hitting. And obviously there's gonna be some work to do, but seems mm-hmm. like a guy who can make some contact and can make some solid contact. So you kind of hear the old cliche. he's a toolsy player, but I think you have a toolsy player here. Um, you know, one of the scouting reports says right-handed hitter. Hits from a slightly open stance, simple, repeatable load, same lightning quick hands, drive the barrel, very good bat speed with loud contact and consistent hard, loud barrel. Line drive contact now with power to come. So honestly, power or not, if he makes contact, I'm taking it.
1: Out of everything you read in that description there, the thing that stands out to me the most is bat speed. Mm-hmm. Anytime I hear good bat speed, that's a that's a really good sign. Mm-hmm. I think because and one of the one of the ways that pitchers can take advantage of some hitters uh, is, is just the bat speed. I mean, it, we've seen it with with a lot of different players that, I and mean, if they have sort of a funky swing or a longer swing, that's a little bit more easily exploitable. For some pitchers, especially for the high-velocity pitchers in the lead. Uh-huh. Uh, so so just the fact that the scouting report has great bat speed on there bodes well for him. Just that DE should be easier to develop in that regard.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. You know, I remember when... I think it was when Aroldis Chapman made his debut, and Len and JD were talking about facing a guy who could throw 100-plus miles an hour... And they were saying, you know, you need speed. Don't Mm -hmm. try to do the big lunge and swing as hard as you can. You need quickness.
1: It's what the game demands right now, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I I think everything about Ed Howard fits what the Cubs need more perfectly and what baseball is today. So I think they, they knocked this pick out of the park, and I haven't I heard one bad thing from any of the experts. Yeah, I, I,
1: I agree. I think this was a, a really great first pick.
0: Yep. This is this is probably as excited as I've been in a first-round pick probably since Kyle Schwarber. That you know, 2014.
1: Yeah, I, I was thinking about that, too, that uh, I this is more excited than I've been in a while, too, uh, which is really unique for me because I generally don't get that excited about the draft at all just Mm -hmm. because you you know, it's, it's, it's not like other leagues where you get drafted and you can immediately go make an impact for your team Ed Howard's 18 years old. So the reality is it's probably going to be at least a few years before we see him in the league. Uh, But just, just reading everything about him, it's got me excited too, because this really does feel uh, like he could be an impact player
0: somewhere down the road. Absolutely, and it's going to be fun to follow his journey through the minors because we remember yeah. how fun it was to follow those guys.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it, he may not be somebody that can come up right away. That's not going to happen, but he is the kind of guy that actually
0: makes you want to track his progress. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, their next pick, who will move on to, 51st overall, Burl Caraway, left-handed pitcher, reliever. This is a guy who can come up pretty fast according to experts. So Burl Caraway is from Dallas Baptist. Like I said, he's a left-handed pitcher, hard thrower. We were talking about the bullpen just a few minutes ago. I think more than anything the Cubs need a nice hard throwing left hander. And looks like they got one in Burl Caraway.
1: Yeah. First thing I gotta say about Burl Caraway is that is a great baseball name. Mm-hmm. That that just sounds like a like a a really old timey you know, rough and tumble kind of guy, Burl Caraway. So Burl
0: Caraway. Yeah, I
1: just got to get that out of the way first. That I think that's a phenomenal baseball name. Uh, but yeah, I think Burl Caraway is exactly the kind of pitcher that the Cubs uh, have sort of been aching for the last couple of years. It's been a weak spot of theirs. Uh, and, and of all these guys, he seems like the one that could make uh, the quickest impact for the team. I think. I think he's got the the fastest track. To the big leagues to actually be a part of the organization quickly
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i agree now i don't know if you've looked at his stats yet but i'm gonna read them for our listeners so in 2019 he made 28 appearances he pitched to a 281 era that's 41 and two-thirds innings his batting average against was 195 and he struck out 72 batters pretty good right there that's nice Now, the one concern you could probably imagine when it comes to a harder thrower.
1: Got to be injuries, yeah.
0: No, not exactly. Okay. okay. Think about it. Uh, I guess uh,
1: locating then.
0: Yeah, it could be a little erratic. I mean, so he walked 22 in uh, 2019. In 2020, he pitched in nine and a third innings because obviously everything was very brief. And he walked six batters and struck out 17. The dude can miss bats. They don't hit well off against him. Um, Of course, you worry a little bit about some walks. But I think that walks are obviously fixable. It's something that, you know, the coaching can work on. And even if he is a little higher on the walks, if he's striking out guys and guys aren't making much contact and he's able to get out of some jams, you know, I think you'll be happy with the swing and miss stuff.
1: Yeah, again, it's 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 all about how they develop these guys. I, I think it's just the, just the fact that they're actually targeting what they need this time around. I, I think that it, it shows that that they are on the right track to filling in some of these gaps. But overall, I, I think the this, this stuff looks good. It definitely looks like he's got the potential to be on the team faster than some of these other guys. Uh, and it really would be great to have a hard-throwing lefty out of the pen. That I I hope we can get
0: that soon. We need it. Uh, there's no doubt we need it. Um, okay, so now moving on to their third pick. This guy I think is very, very interesting. This is Jordan Nuogu from the University of Michigan. He's 21 years old. He's from Ottawa, Canada, fun fact. And last year in Michigan, last full year, I'm going to say 2019, when they actually, you know, were able to play a full season, um, Mm -hmm. he batted 321, 435, 557 with an OPS of 992. This year in 15 games, 353, 389, 456, 845. Now in 2019, he had 12 home runs in 64 games. And in his first year at age 19, he only hit six homers, but you know, 19 years old, six homers, but that goes along with a 349, 442, 557 slash line. And he hit eight doubles that year. And in 2019, he hit 14 doubles. This dude can hit the ball. I don't know if you've seen any of the footage, but he can hit the ball.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot to say. It's he had a great career at Michigan, uh, Cubs, you know, the last couple of years, there's been some question marks as to how they, they round out their outfield each year. It seems to be projected a little bit differently. Who's going to play where, uh, the only sure bet really is Hayward out there. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I like the pick great bat, great bat, uh, I almost wonder if this could be a potential leadoff guy at some point.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we've been searching for that for several years now. It's, so. it's <laughs> been desperately missed since Fowler left. Yes, it has been at big time, big time. And this is a kid that could maybe work even further on getting on base and also kind of take the power route even further If you look at the swing, there's some kind of weird similarity to Chris Bryant to it. The way he kind of follows through, um, his home runs are majestic, arcing things that make you say, "Holy launch angle, Batman!" Go and watch it if you go and watch his highlights if you haven't watched them. I'm not a hitting expert by any means so i'm not going to say yeah if you break down this quarter of the swing where he has his hands and yada yada but i can see how he hits the ball and he can hit the ball hard what more can you ask yeah 44 walks last year 2019 that on that on base percentage is looking pretty good that's 430 in his career in the ncaa that's another thing that the
1: Cubs need a little more of are people who can walk. They've got a lot of a lot of high risk, high reward guys, a lot of boomer busts. They they could use a guy like this who can who can watch and, and get on that way.
0: You know what's nice about the way the Cubs are building or at least trying to rebuild their system with these picks is that you're taking guys with higher ceilings and you understand that there's going to be higher risks, but there are higher. I'd rather go out with guys who have higher ceilings because playing it safe just doesn't it. The ceiling is average or slightly above average at best. I'd rather go for guys that have potential to be all stars.
1: I I agree with that. I think that, I think that there's gotta be a little bit of give and take. In that department, if if you go for only high ceiling guys, then you're setting yourself up for some lulls. I think that you need a healthy mix, a healthy mix of high ceiling guys, and some sort of play it safe guys. Uh, I I think you need to have both. Uh, the 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 less the lower risk guys can kind of be your your fallback, you know, uh, your safety net, if you will. Uh, because it, it, if you, if you just go for everything like that, then you're, you're sort of setting yourself up to fail a little bit. Uh, but I, I think the Cubs have done a good job of approaching it that way of getting some high ceiling guys and some, uh, l- more low risk type of guys.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's definitely fair. I mean, you got to balance it out, obviously, cause you only have so much money to spend on draft picks each year. So you got to be smart about it. Um, but I think the Cubs had a really nice approach with all these guys. And just going back to Nuogu very quickly, one of the scouting reports that I read, first of all, this guy is 6'3", 235 pounds. That's 235 pounds of pure muscle, just so you know. Um, this is what uh, MLB Pipeline had to say about him. Nwogu packs prestigious length and his 6'3", 235-pound frame and generates impressive exit velocities, showing the ability to crush fastballs out of any part of any ballpark, which that's a good point because if you watch his highlights, you see some oppo shots and you see him pull the ball so he could kind of spray that power all over the place. He has an unorthodox but quick right-handed swing and his lower half seems out of sync with the rest of his body, but his impressive hand-eye coordination makes it work, again, which explains why he's put up the good stats that he has, good on base and whatnot. He controls the strike zone reasonably well, but still has to show he can make adjustments to handle breaking balls and changeups. That's not shocking. When you read that there, it's not shocking to hear that. And that's going to be something the Cubs are going to try to work on, obviously.
1: Yeah. That's love the pick. I think that that's another one that they that they nailed. I love the idea of getting a guy that could potentially steal some bases for him. Mm-hmm. That's something that that they've lacked a little bit in recent years, too. So I, I think that's that's a strong pick.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's say he comes up in a few years and you've kind of made your adjustments to your lineup and you have some more contact guys and if you have a speedy guy like him and you're making more contact, that allows you for more hit and run and work on the bases and that obviously leads to more runs. We've seen how good Chris Bryan is at running the bases. If you have more guys that could be quick on the base paths, I mean, that's that's an advantage for you, especially if you try to play baseball smartly. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's and you know, maybe he's a guy that could get up to the bigs faster than some people think. I mean, when you when you've got when you've got the eye, when you can take some walks, you've got some pop in your bat, and you've got some speed. You know, if you've got that many upsides, you, you can only make your, your progress to the league faster, I think.
0: Yeah, so we'll see how it develops. I think the ability of him to adjust to some breaking and off-speed pitches will definitely dictate that, because I think that's going to be one of the biggest things they are obviously going to work it, on. It'll be interesting to see, because it, it's
1: really... It's no secret that the Big Ten is not the best baseball conference in college. No. Uh, I think most people would acknowledge that. So it is going to be different seeing some, some minor league pitchers. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting
0: to see how he adjusts to that. Absolutely. All right, our next guy, our fourth-round pick, he's 19 years old, but he could throw 105, Luke Little. We've all we've all seen the footage, right? You've seen it. Yeah. Sizzling fastball, usually in the high 90s, can reach 100 plus another hard thrower, another guy that has a lot of upside with his arm. Now, obviously, there's a lot of risks with a guy like him, but I love taking a big risk on a guy like this. Give me more flamethrowers, baby. Yeah,
1: yeah. uh, The only thing that worries me about the flamethrowers is they tend to have more injuries than others. Uh, But this, like we've said, this is just the way the league is moving. you got to have guys like this. It's just almost become a requirement if you want to compete. And, you know... I, I'm I'm as I'm a sucker for it like anyone else a guy that can throw triple digit speed I, mm-hmm. I'm you know it's it's hard not to love that and just to picture that happening on the Cubs team watching a game and it just who doesn't love to see a hundred pop up
0: on the speed tracker it's fun to watch that and it's kind of fun to watch the replay where it's the first pitch of the app of the at-bat And they take like a 103 mile an hour pitch and the batter just kind of stands there and looks at it. He kind of looks out to the outfield, just that kind of look on his face. Um, I'll never forget watching uh, some of those pitches thrown recently by Jordan Hicks on the Cardinals. And he hit 105. And I think this was in 2018. And I'm just thinking if I were a batter, I would want nothing to do with that
1: yeah uh, but like we mentioned, uh, you know, with the other high velo guys, one of the problems that comes with that is control. yep uh, and that does seem to be one concern with little is that his walk rate is a little bit high. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, coming out of high school, obviously that's that's the kind of thing that you know that's why you spend as much time as you do in the minor leagues uh, and so hopefully they can get him rounded out.
0: This was probably in my opinion, one of those picks where the fans didn't really look at the stats. They were just looking at the video and ooing and eyeing. And I think this is one of those players that is going to spend some time in that pitch lab.
1: Yeah, he, he may need a little bit of a, a little bit of a rework as far as his form goes. Uh, because, you know, that's the Cubs have already had enough problems with high walk rates out of their bullpen. That's That's mm-hmm. one problem that they don't need to continue to support.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's going to be something that they're going to really want to cut down on. But you know what the good thing is, is if some of these guys pan out, at least you aren't having guys who are walking people left and right and not able to miss bats. Because there are yeah. times when relievers who throw very hard Like a Chapman, again, kind of like him, maybe like a Jordan Hicks, too, um, where you can be effectively wild, where you're throwing so hard and you're all over the place where the batter just can't square anything up, but it's close enough where they feel like they have to swing and it's going so fast. What I'm trying to say is, if you're going to be wild, or at least wilder, there's an advantage of throwing fast, because if you're not throwing fast, it's much easier to take.
1: Yeah, yeah. And one thing I like about taking the high-velocity guys out of high school is that the, it's it's a little bit easier to to mold these guys. Into yeah, they're what more you raw. They right. Uh, you know, when you when you take guys like that out of college, when you, once you're into your twenties in your career, yeah, you know, you're not necessarily totally solidified in what you're going to be. But you know, uh, messing around with the form is is a little bit trickier. I think when they're that far along. Uh, But when you're when you're getting them out of high school, though, you've you've got a lot more time to sort of uh, fix the wind up, if you will.
0: Yeah, exactly. They can kind of help mold their own habits, because when you're playing in college, it's obviously it's not like the major leagues, but it's a much higher level where you kind of form your own habits, so to speak. So, yeah, no, I think that's a very good point. And I think it's going to be something that the Cubs are really going to try to work on because they understand that they need these type of guys up as soon as possible. Obviously they don't want to rush them, but they need these guys on their team. They just, they just do. Yeah. So the last pick of the drafts was another pitcher, Cohen Moreno, and he's the type of guy who is somewhat likely not going to sign. I've, heard number of things saying that he might end up going to his college commit, um, but they said, Hey, we'll take him. And if he does sign with the Cubs, great. You know, if not, they still made four other really intriguing picks. So we'll see what happens there. But you know, again, another pitcher, another guy that people are potentially excited about in the near future. He's got some pretty good stuff. I haven't checked him out as much as the others, but you know, I think he was good enough to capture the Cubs' eye and kind of say, "Hey, if you want to, if you want to commit to the Cubs and we can make something work, then you know, we see potential in you." Yeah, I mean, that's the further you go down in the draft, you know,
1: it's there. There's a little bit of you know a cloud of doubt as to whether or not these guys actually end up signing or not so it's you know a pick 147 there's really not a whole lot you could do that anybody could be upset with I think it's a fine pick I think it you know it goes back to the Cubs trying to fill in the gaps that they have which is a need for younger pitching that can be developed and he fits that mold uh, whether or not he signs with the team who knows but I, I like the peripherals on this guy I think he, he looks like he's got some good upside um, and, you know, if, if he does end up signing with the organization, then great.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm actually watching a video right now from my good buddy Greg Huss from, uh, at Out of the Vines. Check his channel out. He's really good. Um, a video of him on the mound facing Ed Howard. Really?
1: Mm-hmm. That's Check it cool.
0: out. Yeah, just That's look up cool. uh, look up Moreno's name and you'll find it. All
1: right. So,
0: Yeah, we'll see because he's an ECU baseball commit. We'll see what happens there. Uh, Class of 2020, obviously, in high school. So he was planning on going next year. And uh, also keep in mind that Ed Howard just graduated high school as well. But he's most likely going to be Chicago Cubs. So I'm looking forward to the future of these guys. I'm looking forward to what they can do for the organization. And myself and maybe others were asking the same question. What does this do for the farm system that's trying to be rebuilt? So, you know, I reached out to a friend of mine from Bleacher Nation, Brian Smith, great guy, knows all about the Cubs farm system. He's kind of my go-to expert when it comes to Cubs prospects. And, you know, I asked him, could you give me and Adam kind of a rundown of what you think these guys are going to do in terms of making the farm system better? So this is what he had to say. It was a nice draft for the Cubs, grabbing upside talent, each with a skill that very directly translates to the majors. Again, we agree on that. For Ed Howard, it is his actions at shortstop, both hands and footwork. They are big league caliber, and with his bat speed, give the Cubs a number five prospect in the system to be proud of. With the second rounder, Burl Carraway, and fourth rounder, Luke Little, the Cubs drafted fastballs that would work at the MLB level almost immediately. Both will need command work, some secondary development, but have a foundation they can build around. Again, pretty much what you and I were saying. I'd have Carraway as a top 10 or top 15 guy, and Little as a top 30 or 40 guy. Jordan Wogu in the third round gives the Cubs one of their best three or four power prospects in the system, and he's top's raw strength a nice foundation for Justin Stone to build around. Fifth rounder Ken Moreno is a plus athlete at the pitcher position, and while still too much of a project to assign a prospect ranking to, could have been a first rounder in 2023 had he gone to college. So that's what Brian had to say. I think he summed it up very nicely.
1: Yeah, that's, I think that's good analysis there.
0: Absolutely. Who are you most excited for? If you had to pick one of these five guys, who are you most excited for? Boy, you know, it's
1: it's hard. It's hard not to say Ed Howard, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that that feels like the easy answer being the first round pick and mm-hmm. all the upside being a hometown guy, probably the
0: highest ceiling in the long term.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. So, something about Burl Carraway, I think, is the most you exciting just like thing his to me. Name. I, I, you might be calling me out there, and and you you might be right that I just love the name Burl Caraway. I think that's a name that needs to be in Major League Baseball. I mean, his name alone should get him through the minors fast, in my opinion. But
0: hey, it, it might, I, yeah. I, I I I'm going with Burl. Okay, all right. I think Ed Howard's the one I'm most excited for in the long run. In the short term, I'll go Burl just because he could probably. Help out the organization the quickest. Yeah. And I think my dark horse is Jordan Nwagu because I think there's a lot of good potential there with his strength and his power. Like we said earlier, it's going to be a matter of how he develops by hitting off speed pitches. But I feel like, just based on what I've seen and what I've read, he's got enough talent and strength to kind of make adjustments and be a force on a team. So I think they're all very exciting in the end. And I think that, you know, last year, I remember the draft vaguely. I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy, that guy. While there were some intriguing draft picks last year, I think this year really has the fans talking. Now, that could partially be because there's no baseball being played right now. But no matter what, if there was or wasn't baseball, this is genuinely an exciting draft for a team that didn't have, like, a top five pick or anything.
1: Yeah, I I think that analysis you read off uh, sort of summed it up perfectly. That most of these guys, all if not all of these guys, they they possess traits that get them to the bigs faster. They've they've all got something about them that translates to the majors quickly. And uh, so I I think that's the the primary reason to be excited about any of these guys is quick impact.
0: Yeah, exactly. And something that the Cubs need. It was. It was both drafting for need and drafting, you know, high ceiling available guys. You need more yeah. guys that can make contact. You need more hard throwers. You need more athleticism. You know, you need that stuff. I think it's I think it's a great approach too. I mean, it, because it needs to vary from
1: team to team depending on what your situation is. I think this was pretty much a perfect approach for the Cubs uh, because they're not a team that's in competitive limbo yet. They still should be on paper in a competitive window. So to me, it makes a lot of sense to get guys that can fast-track their way to the bigs. Uh, You know, if the Cubs were in a different situation, you know, a a team that is not projected to compete in their division at all, uh, then I would be totally fine with them drafting guys that, you know, maybe are going to take four or five years in the minors before they're ready. So I, I think given the Cubs' current circumstances, this was a good strategy.
0: Well said, very well said. Well, that's pretty much all I have on the draft. And we're probably going to cut this show off a little sooner this week. But before we sign off, I want to celebrate a very, very, very important anniversary today when it comes to the Cubs. And Adam, you're probably going to have no idea what I'm talking about. I but haven't I the slightest clue. Yeah, you probably won't even when I tell you, but others might. It was on this day in 2011 when Doug Davis got his only win as a Chicago Cub. Do you know why that's significant? I can't say that I do. (laughs) Because he beat the freaking New York Yankees. Doug Davis was old, washed, and terrible for the Cubs in his brief stint on that terrible 2011 Cubs team, but he shut down the Yankees. And it was a really fun game. It was probably my favorite win of that entire miserable season. And their only win against the Yankees that year. All right. Cheers to Doug. In fact, I think that was their last win against the Yankees at Wrigley Field, period. No, no, it Mm. wasn't. They beat them once in 2014. Never mind. Because you remember they got swept in 2017 at home. Mm -hmm. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, remember the Brett Gardner game? That guy. One strike. We needed one more strike. Juices. He hits a go ahead three run homer off Hector yeah. Rondone. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. But you know who didn't give up home runs against the Yankees? Doug Davis. Doug. If you go on Twitter and you look at Tony Andraki's Twitter, you will see the highlights from that game. And I remember watching this game too. The Cubs scored early. They scored three runs in the first few innings. Uh, the pitching held the rest of the way. Carlos Marmol got like the final four or five outs, and that included striking out Arod with two outs in the eighth inning and a man on. So A-Rod was the tying run. It was a full count, and then he strikes out A-Rod, and the place goes absolutely bonkers. Also, Tony Campana had a really fun bunt single and uh reed johnson made this amazing catch in the ninth inning and and beg your pardon uh struck out a rod on a 2-2 pitch but it was still pretty awesome so yeah happy anniversary to doug davis's only win as a chicago cub and yeah i just figured i had to mention that you remember that team that was a bad team only a nerd like you would would remember that in such detail I, yeah, I know. I know, dude. I am the king of remembering just the most random games throughout my my life.
1: I that's that's okay. I like that. I, I think I think baseball nerdery is is something to be commended.
0: Okay, I have another question for you regarding the twenty eleven. Then, do you remember right. a pitcher by the name of Rodrigo Lopez for the Cubs? Uh maybe vaguely. That dude pitched every freaking time I went to a Cubs game. Like. That year I went to a number (laughs) of Cubs games in those days because the tickets were pretty cheap and I'd either go with my dad or my brother or my friends would take me because, you know, I was in high school, so it's not like I could just go and drive and buy a ticket. But every time we went, it was always Rodrigo Lopez pitching. And the funny thing is he actually won a majority of his starts. He pitched when I saw him, the team was bad and he, his numbers weren't fantastic, but he was kind of that, if you put him on a contending team, he'd either be a long reliever or like a pretty fifth starter. But like, you know, for that twenty eleven team, he was just kind of a yeah. guy that went up there and made starts.
1: That's a good that's a good baseball name too. I like that. Rodrigo. Rodrigo, yeah.
0: Rodrigo Lopez. Yeah, he pitched. I think last with the Cubs, I'm going to look up his baseball reference page. Yeah. This is how we're going to conclude tonight's show. We're going to talk about Rodrigo Lopez.
1: Yeah. Oh man. There's no more exciting way. Yeah. I've I've got his Wikipedia up right now. And yeah, he finished 2011, 2012 season with the Cubs.
0: Yeah. I know he pitched a little bit in uh, 2012, I believe, but uh, it was mainly 20. Yeah. Yeah. How many starts did he make? Does it say? Uh
1: it doesn't say on here. I just his, his career record was eighty-one and eighty-nine. ERA four eighty two, eight hundred and sixty-five strikeouts.
0: Yeah, okay, so with the Cubs, he made thirty appearances and sixteen starts. Four fifty ERA, so pretty mediocre, but not <laughs> awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. It's no,
1: <laughs> no, we could leave it at that. That's a good. It's <laughs> a good way to wrap that
0: up. Yeah. Oh, the FIP was five thirty six, and the WHIP was one point five two. Ah, ouch! But hey, you know what? The man ate some innings for us. I guess we just need to be sure not to tag
1: Rodrigo Lopez once we post this show.
0: Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably. He actually pitched a while in Baltimore. 2004, he was pretty good too. He had a 359 ERA in 37 games, 23 starts. And then he won 15 games two times, but oh well, 2002 too, 357 ERA. In 2005, he had a 490 ERA and led the league in games started in all of baseball. Rodrigo Lopez led the league and games started once. See, there you go. That's more of that baseball nerdery that, that just the average fan would have no idea. I know. I know, I love that stuff so much. I love it. Well, that's going to wrap things up here on Climbing the Ivy. I want to thank Adam for coming on, as always. I want to thank Brian Smith for contributing that little paragraph. Thanks again. Remember, check him out, Cubs Prospects. And I want to thank you all for listening. A reminder, you can check out Cubby's Crib at Crib.com. You can also check out this podcast on iTunes. Also, be sure to check out the Cubby's Crib social media pages on Twitter and Facebook. Until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night. We'll talk to you later.